Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for making the time to come and begin your Lent together. Um, I'm Father Morgan Reed, the vicar at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. Um, And as we begin our Lenten season together, uh, let me pray for us. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, (coughs) O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, in our gospel passage tonight, we are in the midst of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew Chapters 5 through 7, Jesus gives this famous sermon. Um, And he's giving some warnings here in this passage to those who are going to follow after him and be his disciples. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you're going to have no reward from your father who's in heaven. The point isn't that you accidentally get seen by somebody. The point is about intention. Why are we doing the good works that we're doing? And Jesus mentions three acts of piety, different translations might say righteousness. These deeds that he mentions here um, are giving alms is the first. And there's assumption here. The assumption is that God's people are going to work towards the relief of the poor, for the welfare of humanity. Um, It's because we've experienced the gracious gift of God that we want to give of his gracious gifts to bless others. Jesus mentions prayer. The second uh, act of piety. And he's going to even give a template in this passage to his disciples who are going to say, well, how should we pray? And he's going to tell them. Prayer is petition at its core. It's an ask. But it's so much more than an ask. Whether we're talking about fixed times of common prayer together, periodic, spontaneous prayer throughout the day, short memorized prayers like the Jesus prayer, etc., prayer creates sacred moments throughout the day where we offer ourselves and the concerns that we have uh, to God so that he can realign our hearts. And then finally, Jesus mentions fasting as the third one. Fasting began with Jesus himself. It began in the Old Testament, but when we think back to the Christian tradition of fasting, we can go all the way back to Jesus. St. Paul talks about fasting often. Um, And when we get even into the second century, there's a document called the Didache, and and we see that Christians have already developed a regular uh, system of fasting. There's an early Christian uh, in that document, which is written about, about 90 to 150 A.D., I think possibly even when the Apostle John was alive. In chapter 8, um, it comments on this particular passage, and it says, But let not your fasts be with the hypocrites, for they fast on the second and the fifth day, uh, but you fast on the fourth and the preparation, so Wednesday and Friday. And then it goes on to talk about prayer, and it goes on to quote the Lord's Prayer, and it mentions that the church, even in the second century, had been praying the Lord's Prayer three times per day. The church has had built-in rhythms and practices, not so that we can impress God, not so that we can impress other people um, with how spiritual we look, but 
so that you and I can have these daily and weekly and monthly and annual spaces to hit a reset button, to stop, to pause, to make things new, to reset and realign our outer and our inner lives, and to reprioritize our lives around what matters most to God. So two things, realignment and reprioritize. Any of these things um, that are means of spiritual growth, whether it's giving to the poor, or prayer, or fasting, any of those things can become disordered in different ways. And I think of fasting especially, um, you know, there's quite a lot of disorder in that space, so we need to be careful. You know, I, I was thinking, uh, I always have the wise words of Christy Betway in my ear because she does a lot of work with uh, rock recovery and people with disordered eating uh, and ministering to them. And so that organization, thinking about it, always reminds me to be very mindful uh, when we talk about fasting because people's relationship with food can be disordered. And so there are very good reasons why someone may not want to fast from food, why it might actually be harmful. Um, It might be disordered eating. It might just be uh, other health reasons like you're pregnant or nursing or sick. Um, The point is not abstaining from food necessarily. It's about cultivating God-centered worship. When we talk about fasting, when we think about fasting in the New Testament, fasting and prayer, fasting and worship often go hand in hand in the New Testament. And the reason why is that fasting reminds us of the one who gives us true food and the one who gives us true drink. The one on whom our lives are completely dependent day in and day out teaches us to recognize that. Second, fasting reveals the things that might have control over you and I. One writer says about fasting, quote, we cover up what is inside us with food and other good things. But in fasting, these things surface. And so that's where I think the connection can be made beyond food. Um, And one of the reasons why I think Lent is a really helpful season. Fasting is withholding something from ourselves, something good from ourselves that is in and of itself good. So that we can be more clear and see more clearly what our spiritual appetites are. And so there are two broader principles from this passage, I think, that, that Lent invites us into. First is to realign our inner and outer life together. Realigning our inner life and our outer life. Second, to reprioritize what matters most. So first, realigning our outer and our inner life. If we were to start with our outer life, we could start to think and, and um, do an examine and imagine the ways uh, that, that uh, imagine the friends that we have, the places that we go on a regular basis, how we use the technology we have, what our technology is that we use, the conversations that we have that bring us joy, the conversations that we have that really trouble us and that are hard, the circumstances that we face, the vocations that we live into. The ways that things might feel really messed up at the moment. Or even the things that bring us joy. So those are all the, a lot of the outer life. And so we can think about what sustains us in our outer life. And then we can think then about the inner life. Where are we making space to sustain a relationship with God that will align with those outer things? Where are we making space for that? Are we looking for how the Holy Spirit might speak to us in the conversations that we have? In challenging circumstances? Are we making time to notice, to really notice the people who are around us, knowing their names, some of their struggles and their stories? 
how might God want to take our inner pilgrimage and our inner journey and shape our outer life with it? What things would God change in our outer life as we allow him to speak into our inner journey? And how might God bring us somewhere in our outer life in order to shape our inner life? All right, sometimes God brings us somewhere and we go, why did you bring me here? But actually, that's part of the inner journey. And so these are the questions that Lent invites us into that, to realign those things, the inner and the outer journey. Second, Lent provides the opportunity to be invited into reprioritizing what matters most. Uh, and I know I talk quite a few times during the year about doing a calendar audit. Um, but it's a really important reminder for me. Uh, I imagine it would be for some of you as well. Have we carved out times to ask God, you know, where would we like to be with him in six months or a year? What things would change? And then once we start dreaming about those things and we ask the Holy Spirit, do we make the deeper changes to actually put space into our calendar to allow for the things that would bring us there? Or do we schedule out prayer and keep it on the margins? Um, so if we want to begin like thinking about prayer, then we need to make space and time in our calendar for prayer. If we want to disciple or mentor somebody, then we need to create space in our calendar to make sure that they have space on our calendar to prioritize them. What meetings or activities need to be cut in order for you and I to rest? These are all the questions Lent invites us into, and, and that's something that I'm actively thinking about again, and I want to invite us to think about um, for ourselves and our households, what, how are we using our calendar in our, in our inner journey with God? Without prayerful intentionality, if we don't have that, then we're always going to be trapped by the next emergency and the next urgent thing that, that has to get done. And so this is a good six weeks to slow down, to pause, to recalibrate, and to reprioritize what really matters. Jesus tells us that when we practice habits of righteousness, we're not to do it in order for others to see us. We're to do it for the God who rewards in secret. And so let's take these next 40 days as an invitation to us to realign the outer and the inner life, to reprioritize what matters. And as we come and we receive the imposition of the ashes tonight, you're going to hear us say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. And so tonight, with whatever you're coming with, whatever feels large and looming in your life right now, remember that that is dust. And whatever burden you're carrying, that's dust. And when we're tempted with our pride to think that we can muster up our own strength and make it through the day on our own, Ash Wednesday knocks us back on our heels, and it reminds us that we are dust. But the amazing thing to me is that when we think about Ash Wednesday is that God loves our dust, the dust that you and I are. And he loves to make beautiful new creation out of ashes. And so I want to invite us this Lent to find God's grace in our ashes, to realign our inner and outer lives, to reprioritize our lives about what matters most to God. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we hold up all of our weaknesses to your strength, our failures to your faithfulness. 
our sinfulness to your perfection, our loneliness to your compassion, our little pains to your great agony on the cross. We pray that you will cleanse us, strengthen us, guide us, so that in all ways our life may be lived as you would have lived it, without cowardice, and for you alone. Show us how to live in true humility, true contrition, and true love. Amen. Amen.